The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team, part of La Rosa Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call Sam at 407-790-9957 or visit samsellsorlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. And uh, all right, Eric, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, November the 1st. It's about 1030 at night. Houston's wow. leading the Dodgers five to nothing in game oh, seven of the World oh, Series. Oh. Do we are are we are, are we uh, do we congratulate Lena Springer's uh, big brother on winning the World Series MVP trophy right now? I'm not congratulating anybody until a game is over, so I'm not going to be blamed for anything. Uh, so whatever happened by the time you people are listening to this, I am not. I'm not responsible for it. That's all. That's all I'm commenting. Well, all I know is that Lena, we're, we're starting this know, thing Jeff, at ten thirty, and and like it's we're we're going to be finished, and they'll still be playing. <laughs> that's true. That's why I'm not saying a word. All I'll say is this: for those who are wondering why Jeff's mentioning Lena Springer, that's the sister of George Springer. She played at UCF, was part of the 2014 American Conference Championship team, regular Mm -hmm. season championship team, went to the NCAAs, then moved on to Ohio State, where she finished her career, uh, had a nice career. So, uh, you know, that's 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 why he brought it up for those who are just shaking their head right now. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Well, 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 preliminary congratulations. I'm not saying a word. The game's not over. I'm either. Well, I'm 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 either I'm either clairvoyant. Or uh, or 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 I'm or I'm reverse jinxing it. One or the other. It's those are the only two options. All right. Either uh, way, you're get you're responsible for it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, we've got a lot to go over um, this week. Uh, we've got uh, we, women's soccer. Of course, we're going to hit on big time football. The uh, pl- uh, the college football playoff rankings are out, and so we'll talk about how much those don't matter. Uh, we also got some men's soccer heading into their season finale. We got some volleyball as well. Lots to go over. So uh, once again, make sure you hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Follow us on Facebook and also on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is UCF underscore banneret. Uh, my handle is Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric's is Eric Lopez Elo. You can also download this podcast uh, via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Tune in. Don't forget to leave us a uh, review if you've already have. I might be reading one of those a little bit later. So, and uh, oh, before we get we, before we dive in, as you probably heard uh, at the very beginning of the show, we've got a sponsor now, Eric. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sam Unger, who uh, a lot of you guys know through the message boards and uh, and on Twitter. Um, he's uh, been active in the UCF community. Uh, he's a, a realtor over in the over in, uh, in, in covering. Orange and Seminole and Lake Counties, sort of on the uh, western half of town. But, um, you know, he's uh, he's agreed to come on as our very first sponsor for the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. So I want to send a say a special hi and a thank you to uh, Sam for uh, for joining the team. And we appreciate his support, uh, as always. All right. Let's dive in. We are. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for thanks for doing it. Despite Jeff. That's all I got to say. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So let's uh, let's dive in with UCF women's soccer. We're going to get to football later because women's soccer is the story right now. Uh, they uh, had that big match uh, against USF at home, October twenty seventh. That was last Friday. All the Knights had to do was tie or win, and they win the uh, 
conference regular season title outright, and they can hoist the um, the trophy on the home field. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. Well, they tied one one against uh, against USF. Um, Dina Orshman got the goal in the fifty eighth minute from Morgan Ferreira, uh, uh, Ferrara rather, who uh, that that tied the tied the game, and then. Um, there were a couple of close calls in the overtime sessions, um, but UCF was able to, you know, once, once, once things kind of died down, UCF was able to just control the game and, uh, and they get the draw. They, they, they drew Cincinnati in their conference opener. They tie USF in their season finale. And, uh, now they head to the, uh, conference tournament, but, you know, uh, uh, but nonetheless mission accomplished, right? For this team. Yeah, I mean, that was a nerve-wracking match. USF got the goal with 10 seconds left in the first half. Uh, they got awarded a penalty kick in the goal when uh, a foul was called inside the box, and uh, they delivered on the penalty kick. So it was it was some nervous times at that point. Um, that was an incredible night, by the way, because from a from a, from a sports fan, UCF sports fan, because uh, as we'll get into later, that was the night UCF was hosting USF, and then across the next door, mm-hmm. you had volleyball hosting number 21, Wichita State, which was one of the most incredible, dramatic matches uh, of volleyball I've ever seen, which we'll get into later. But the point is, I'm going back and forth on this. Right. Which well, you were running around fun. campus for <laughs> for that entire evening. I did. It made, you were checking many, out softball it, it for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I was at fall ball for softball, then went to soccer and volleyball back and forth. Uh, many of you, you follow uh, Black and Go Banneret on Facebook or on Twitter. You saw my Facebook lives yeah. uh, from all those events. And so I was doing the back and forth. And it's funny because I missed the UCF goal because I was at volleyball. Mm-hmm. And so at that point now, and this is, I don't know why, our sports people, a lot, some of us are like this. When you think it's your fault or your credit, you kind of like think about it. So now I'm thinking, wait a minute. They scored the goal, and I'm at volleyball. Meanwhile, I'm at the volleyball match. It's around, around the third set at the point, which is a set of piece at the time. And I'm like, do I just go back now? Or Because I was thinking of just going back for the second half. But then they scored. I'm like, what if I go back and USF scores? Now I feel like terrible. <laughs> so right. I, uh, I I decided to stay and with the volleyball match, which was, as we'll get into later, was an, an, an incredible match. Um so I stayed with the volleyball match. I had my friend uh, Trace, who was from Nightline, was at the soccer match. So we exchanged text messages, updating each other during the matches. I was updating him on volleyball, and he updated him on soccer. It 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 worked out where I finally did decide I did end up going back for overtime, uh, just because it worked out timing wise. So I got to see overtime. I got to see the celebration. And look, they, they controlled the match. As people know, if you follow soccer, you could dominate a match but yet not get the result really you earned. Uh, UCF outplayed USF for, uh, throughout, but the penalty kick, USF got the goal, so that's UCF had to play catch-up, but they were never phased by it. Uh, UCF came out strong, scored the goal, and got the result they needed to clinch the regular season championship. Danny White uh, gives the trophy to Coach Sahadak. Third regular season title, Jeff. Think about that. Third regular season championship mm-hmm. for Coach Sahadak, uh since she's arrived here. And as we'll get into, because we have a guest on today, uh, I had a chance to talk to Chris Henderson, who's a soccer guru, covers the sport as good as anybody. We th- this was significant, Jeff, because for Co- and you remember this when, when Tiffany was hired, there was a lot of scrutiny on that because you know she's following Amanda Cromwell, who's a future is a Hall of Fame coach, and she went to UCLA, and so you know she gets hired coming over from VCU, 
And, you know, people, you know, the expectations, you, you know, I would argue, uh, put aside football and basketball, because obviously there's always scrutiny with those jobs. This we'll get into. But from I think in women's in UCF women's sports, I don't think there's a more scrutinized position than the women's soccer coach at UCF hmm. because of the tradition and the success that that program has had. More so than there's football. a scrutiny. I'm talking about the women's sports okay. and 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 in the women's sports and and football and, and you know what I mean in football, um, now there's I mean football fans are always going to scrutinize the football coach, right? But let's be honest, and we we'll, we might get into this if not on this episode in a future episode because obviously Scott Frost I don't know if you've heard but uh, I guess other people uh, schools might be interested in him. So <laughs> yeah. apparently that's been a word of the topic. Um, I don't think the football coach at UCF gets scrutinized as much uh, uh, compared to other football programs. Whereas I think at UCF, yeah, I think the soccer fan will scrutinize the coach a lot uh, because of the success and the tradition there. I'm not going to say it's more scrutinized than football because football always gets scrutinized on message boards and stuff like that, whereas the soccer coach doesn't. But I would argue other than football, other than football, maybe basketball. Uh, and baseball, baseball obviously has a good tradition, but mm-hmm. I, I think right after the, right there, the soccer coach, women's soccer job here at UCF is the most scrutinized. So, and, 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 you know, she won right away, but there were still people. Cause I go to a lot of the match and there's, you know, people was like, well, yeah, she, she, she did great, but, but that was with Cromwell's players. Right. And then, you know, she missed the tournament last year and now people are like, Ooh, I don't, you know, I don't know. And, you know, but now she wins the championship this year with a dominant team. Her best team she's clearly had since she's been here. And what's significant about it, look at the the class seniors this year. And she talked about it. UCF, I don't know if you guys saw this. If you have a chance to go to UCF Women's Soccer on Twitter or Facebook, they had this video, about a seven-minute video afterwards, kind of a behind-the-scenes look where they interview the you know her and her husband and, and, and they kind of go through the scenes of the day. And she talked about this senior class because this was her first – this was their first class that she recruited. When she got here, this was her first class. And and I thought that was such a great symbol because here it is, the first class she, you know, four years ago. Now it's seniors, and they're going to leave as one of the best teams in the history of the sport, which I think now cements her. She's here at UCF. I can't imagine anybody. She's proven now that she can recruit. She can coach. She can win with other, you know, Coach Cromwell's players, and she can win with her own players. That's why I think that's the significance of this accomplishment, not only to win the regular season title, but having the year that they've had up until this point. Now, obviously, the scrutiny will, you know, there will be pressure and all that when they get to postseason, I'm sure, but as we'll get into, but I, I think if you're a UCF women's soccer fan, you feel really, really, really good now, uh, perfect about the program and where it's headed and all that thing. Well, you talked about dominance and they finished the conference season. Outscoring everyone else, every outscoring all their opponents in American Athletic Conference play by a tally of thirty-four to three. Uh, <laughs> I mean that that tells you pretty much what you need to know. They finished the regular season sixth in the RPI behind Stanford, South Carolina, North Carolina, Duke, and West Virginia. And in the United Soccer Coaches poll, uh, the Knights come in at eighth uh, behind Stanford, Duke, South Carolina, North Carolina, UCLA, Southern Cal, and West Virginia. So. Uh, so now, again, you had the chance to uh, discuss the season in depth with uh, 
with Tiffany Roberts and Haydack uh, the following day when you were doing play-by-play for the American Digital Network uh, for the UCF men's match, uh, which, by the way, we'll get to a little bit later. But um, you just go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to that interview. Here are, here's uh, Eric talking with head coach Tiffany Roberts Haydack of the UCF women's soccer team. The 2017 regular season champion UCF Knights head coach Tiffany Roberts Haydack. They clinched the regular season title last night. Third regular season title in the American for you, Coach. Uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was an exciting night. Probably a little bit more exciting than I wanted it to be, but uh, we got the job done. So. Dramatic. A 1-1 draw against the yeah. great USF team. You earned the regular season title. You're going to get to host this championship uh, starting on Wednesday. You won't have to play on Friday. Kind of now you've had some hours to think about it. What's your thoughts here as you get pre- prepared for the softball championship in this incredible year? So yeah. Far? Well, actually, you know, today I gave the girls the day off. I mean, I think we all needed it. I think I yeah. needed it myself. Tim and I needed a family day so um, we're taking the day off we're going to recover tomorrow's going to be a really light session again um, because this time of the season it's just about really like taking care of some of those details and getting some reps but then other than that it's like how can we stay healthy and fresh so that's really um, our thought going into Friday and then we'll, we'll see what happens with um, you know our opponent so we can't do a lot of scouting yet just because we want to watch that game uh, Memphis UConn on Wednesday um, and then we'll go from there. Ranked seventh in the country, you're in the top seven in RPI, and it all got started. You won against North Carolina, where you played under your mentor, and that seemed to be the turning point. From that point on, you guys just took off and have been uh, running rough shot there and unbeaten in the conference. I mean, was that the turning point where this team, it seems they played with a lot of confidence from that point on? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, being a team like North Carolina that has that dynasty, and then obviously for me, it was very personal. Um, but the team, I mean, that night they felt like they won the national championship, beating such a, a, a huge uh, force like uh, Carolina. So um, I think that game helped them realize and believe that they can beat any team in the country. And then, you know, you start training that way. You start believing in that way. You start playing that way. And I think that really launched them into the season that they're having. You got balanced scoring. Morgan Ferreira gets a lot of the attention. Has had a mm-hmm. tremendous year up for possibly player of the year consideration. But it's not just her. It's the balanced scoring, which has been different from the last couple of years. And you talked about that before the year. That's been a big dividend because teams have had trouble stopping your offense. Yes, I think that's been so um, dangerous uh, about us is that we do have a lot of players that can make things happen. And um, there's a variety. We've mentioned that we have a variety in our attack and a variety in different personalities and different strengths. So Morgan's definitely having, you know, the season of her life. And uh, credit to her, though, because she's gotten really fit in the last two years, and that has helped her. Um, and then uh, we've got some little superstars, uh, freshmen, you know, like Dina Orschman, um, starting for us this year. And she's played for Germany on the highest level in a World Cup, so or a youth World Cup. So, um, and then Kayla Adamick, her fifth year, she's a comeback kid um, with a lot of injuries, and she just, you know, knowing it could be last season, she wants to make a big splash, and that's what she's doing. So it's kind of cool seeing all these different personalities. A lot of leaders on the team, and they weren't phased. You know, you get you fell behind last night against USF, who knew, knew they needed to get the win to win the conference, but they were you weren't phased by that. Your your girls responded right away, and that's been the story. When you have faced adversity, they've responded right away, and they're not no fear. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> You know, that happened against North Carolina where we went down and and we were able to come back, I think, within eight minutes. And then we went down in Arizona 
uh, against Arizona in Arizona, and then we came back and won that game. So we've been down a couple times this year, and each time we've come back and won that game. So I feel like having that experience already, it's, it's again, it's that belief knowing that you're you're okay and that if we just stick to the game plan and not lose that composure, we'll get the job done. You get to host the soccer championships this week. What does that mean to you to host it here in Orlando? And uh, also today, i got to ask you, Scott Calabrese. Yeah. You played for him. Yeah, I did. So I, I want you to tell that story. Okay. Um, Scotty, you know, was an assistant coach on my WUSA team for the Carolina Courage. Uh, we won a championship with him as an assistant. And what a wonderful leader he is. This men's team's really lucky to have such a high-caliber coach like Scotty. So we love collaborating. Our, our staffs really work well together. And um, there's a lot of camaraderie between both programs. That's so well, pretty cool. That's great to hear. You get to host the soccer championships this week. Coach, congratulations on the regular season title. Good luck this week and hopefully for a lengthy postseason run for you. Thank you. Let's keep it rolling. Thanks again to Tiff, uh, Coach Tiff there. Uh, that was at halftime of the American Digital Network broadcast. I got a chance to call the UCF uh, men's soccer match against Temple on Saturday. And did you listen? I mean, obviously, we she talked about uh, Coach Calabrese there, and we'll talk about him later on. But uh, did you you heard about her talking about her players and, and the seniors that she had on the team and the leaders and then the turning point? Uh, that was the North Carolina match that you and I were at, Jeff. That mm-hmm. was the turning point. That was, the, and it was ironic because they were behind North Carolina in that match, like they, yeah, they were, were against the USA. Yeah, and as yeah. you mentioned that, that was ironic. It was similar, but they responded, tied it up, and eventually won it in double overtime. And that was the takeoff. That team knew that they can beat anybody from that point on. That was the signature moment, and uh, they have taken advantage of that. They've run with it, and they win the regular season title. Uh, as you heard her, though, I mean, they're still obviously they got work to do here. They're going to host the conference championship again. They're going to be the one seed and they'll play Friday night. And um, but it's just I'm really happy for her. I mean, I've gotten a chance to talk to her uh, and known her. You've got a chance to know her as well. Yeah. Awesome. Genuine person. Like, I mean, you, you just uh, just happy. Can't, you know, just root for her as a person. They're, the whole family is tremendous. Loves her um, job. Loves coaching these correct. players. I mean, you know, I mean, and that's, that seems so cliche. Like what coach wouldn't really love. I mean, it's, it, she absolutely loves it. She does. Um, she does big time. And uh, you heard her talk about Scott Calabrese, uh, who she played for professionally, right. you know, in the, in the, in the pro league, which she talked about there in the interview. Um, and by the way, uh, full disclosure. So for people that don't know, I got a producer in my ear, right, uh, during this interview. So a lot of times, and you know this, Jeff, from working in television, they'll tell you right as you're in the middle about a thought. Uh, last question. Mm-hmm. So I'm because I, I wanted to ask her about hosting the conference tournament. In fact, if you heard the interview, you can hear me starting to bring that up. But then I heard the producer say, last question, last question. I'm like, oh, crew, shoot. But I wanted to ask her about Calabrese because, you know, she had the men's soccer match. So that's why I went halfway on the uh, that last question, if you were right. wondering, because when people are in your ear, they throw you off. You're I'm still the clock. Uh, Welcome to television, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's why I sound a little bit clownish there, because sometimes people are in your ear. Or, or, and I, you know, but she was great and uh, really enjoyed her. And uh, she's a fan, by the way, of our show. 
which I, I was not aware of. She's a fan of our. Great. Uh, she does listen, Jeffrey, and uh, she reads our stuff. She read the that fine article that that young man on the on the site uh, wrote about the UCF women's soccer being the standard. I I, I have uh, confirmed that. So it's not bad. Not a bad. Who, who, who wrote that? Who, who wrote that genius story? Oh, that was me. Uh, <laughs> hot but, takes aside, but obviously, <laughs> hot takes aside, right? Uh, you can still read that, by the way, on Black and Gold. Uh, you know, on the site, by the way, for those of you who haven't had a chance to read, it's a good read about the women's soccer and the success they've had and the standard that they are. Now, the question, though, Jeff, now they head to the conference championship, host as the one seed. What does that mean for them in the postseason in CAA tournament? The selection uh, uh, show will be Monday. Will UCF, we've talked about this on this podcast, will they be a one seed? Will they be a two seed? Uh, you know, how much of a big, how big is this conference tournament in helping them or hurting their chances on that? Uh, there, you know, there's some good teams on this field coming up here this week in Orlando. Well, I, I, I had a chance, Jeffrey, to talk to our good friend who was here last year, Chris Henderson, who, who covers women's soccer, college and pro, uh, for the, you know, he does it for many outlets, the all white kit.com and so forth. I actually had a chance, uh, Jeffrey to talk to Chris prior to the start of the American soccer championship tournament. Uh, in fact, I had a chance to record and talk to him. Uh, late Monday. I had a chance to talk to him Monday. So as you listen to this interview, uh, there's some things he talks about that obviously happened uh, in other tournaments on that weekend. That's what I referred to. So it's Monday. But uh, here's a chance, my interview uh, with Chris Henderson. We, we dive into a lot of interesting topics here. What is, where is UCF stand as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned and the seeding they might get? Who will UCF might possibly get to play here in Orlando during the NCAA tournament, who is the biggest threat to UCF in the conference tournament that's going on this week? Those are some of the topics we hit up. We also talk about Amanda Cromwell. Could we have a Cromwell-UCLA-UCF matchup? Hmm. That and much more. But I do open talking to Chris uh, about the season for UCF and his thoughts on this team and how good they are and the job that Coach Sahedek has done. Here's my interview with Chris Anderson. Chris, welcome to the the show, and uh, let's first talk, before we get into what the future might be for the UCF women's soccer team, give me your thoughts about this team and Coach Zahedek uh, coming into the season and your thoughts how the season's played out. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's kind of been one of the stories of the season, in my opinion, because I think you, you saw them take some big losses uh, in terms of personnel and graduation. I think, you know, a lot of people – saw them having you know a fabulous recruiting class and you know recruits sometimes they take a little longer to kind of acclimate than others but you know we've seen in UCF I mean it's it seemingly clicked really really quickly and I think they've done a phenomenal job and uh, a really really exciting team to watch as well uh, as you can see by all the goals they scored. Coach Sahedek, obviously there was always pressure when she took the job at UCF. She was following Amanda Crumwell. I'm sure there was people out there that wondered if how she would do. Last season, they missed the NCAA tournament. They were a preseason six pick in the conference. Uh, does this kind of maybe uh, uh, quiet the critics, if there were any critics out there about Coach Sahedek and the UCF program? And could she be in the mix maybe among the, the coaches of the year uh, running? Yeah, I think, you know, Obviously, you don't want to give out, uh, you know, those kind of honors before kind of everything's played out. But in terms of the regular season, it's, you know, she's got to be on the short list of, you know, the coaches who have done a most impressive job. And I think, like you said, uh, she had huge shoes to follow or, you know, huge shoes to fill. 
uh, in terms of Amanda Cromwell now at UCLA, who had brought such a sustained, um, you know, amount of success to UCF's program. And, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's, it's hard to maintain that level of success consistently. Uh, but I think, you know, after some adversity, you know, this year coming back so strong and being so dominant when faced with that, you know, that first kind of setback, uh, I, I think it really exemplifies, you know, the coaching ability of, you know, Coach Hayadak. Now, before we get into what the UCF's got ahead of them, of course, they're going to be hosting the conference tournament uh, this week in Orlando. Explain for some of the audience, because as you know, this is the time of year you're going to get some bandwagon fans, that maybe some casual fans that are jumping in with the success. Explain the NCAA tournament, because I've been talking about this show, about the, the scenarios that UCF might have from a seeding standpoint in the NCAA tournament. Before we get into that, explain to the audience how the seedings work in the NCAA tournament. Well, basically, um, what the NCAA likes to do is they seed the top 16 uh, teams to try to keep them away from each other until at least the Sweet 16. Uh, it, it's one through four. They don't go one through 16, which is kind of a difference from the men's tournament. Uh, but basically, you know, you as a program want one of those top two seeds, basically to be one of the top eight teams in the country, uh, because not only does that keep you away, um, you know, from the number one seed until – the Elite Eight if you're a number two seed, but it also means that, uh, you know, if you're able to host it as a, as a you know, program, you're able to host the first round, the second round, and the third round, and then if you get a number one seed, you're able to host the fourth round, the Elite Eight. Uh, so it's a huge advantage to be in that top two seeds, uh, and basically, uh, you know, that's kind of really what UCF is playing for, uh, you know, at the AAC tournament this week. As of right now, prior to the tournament, where do you have UCF as a seed? Because people don't know, Chris obviously uh, breaks down the seeds and he does his projections. Where do you have UCF seeded, and can that be helped or uh, going if they win the conference championship? Yeah, I think they're a solid number two seed right now. I think from, from where I last looked at, and I haven't kind of looked at you know after yesterday's games, but. Um, I think they stand out really with their resume above a lot of the other number two seed contenders. Um, I think their win against North Carolina early in the season, you know, really, really boosted their credentials. Um, a win over Arizona. Uh, obviously, Arizona's done really, really well uh, in league season, so that really helps their cause. And they've been pretty dominant in league play. Uh, you know, unbeaten in league play. Draws at Cincinnati against South Florida probably aren't going to hurt that bad. Um, I think the one thing that might hurt them in their quest for number one is that there's not really that standout other team in terms of the RPI in terms of the AAC. Uh, so when you're talking about someone like North Carolina, well, yeah, they've got, sh- they've got chances to beat other teams, you know, kind of in the RPI top 10 or RPI top 15. Uh, so that kind of hurts UCF a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, they're in a position where uh, if they take care of business this week, you know, I think they're a pretty good bet for a number two seed. Who do you have right now as the one seeds that maybe UCF fans can look at? And is there any way that they can sneak into a one seed? Do they need some somebody to fall in the, one of these conference tournaments to move up? Or you think they're going to be pretty much locked into a two? Well, I think, you know, from my perspective, the clear number ones right now are South Carolina, Duke, um, and uh, Stanford. Um, I think... 
you know, the one number one that I think, um, you know, a lot of people would kind of look at and say they'd probably be the most vulnerable would be North Carolina. Um, I think for, for no other reason than the fact that the other three teams on that number one line are conference champions in terms of the regular season. Uh, but North Carolina's also got a pretty strong resume, and I, I think them dropping off that top line maybe would have depended on them um, losing yesterday to Florida State. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of UCF potentially get going up to a number one seed, I think the problem they have is that I think Texas A&M is probably a little bit ahead of them uh, in terms of how I kind of rank the teams right now. Uh, obviously, that could change if Texas A&M gets upset uh, tomorrow in the SEC tournament quarterfinals. Um, but I do think UCF does face kind of an uphill climb to get a number one seed. So a two seed would get them to host up until the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals they would have to probably tra- they have to travel, assuming that the one seed makes it through to that wherever bracket they're in, correct? And then it's and it's significant because the College Cup this year is in Orlando, and that's what's kind of unique about this is that UCF uh, could play themselves in a position where they don't have to uh, get a take a flight, uh, depending on how things turn out. Yeah, that, and you know it can't really be understated how or. You know, it really cannot be overestimated how big of an advantage that would be for UCF because you know it's a long season and it's a grueling grind and you know to be able to stay at home potentially for a college cup uh, would be a huge advantage for them. Uh, you know, especially if you're dealing with a team you know like Stanford or UCLA, if they make it, I mean that's a cross country flight. So uh, you know that, that's another kind of uh, you know big incentive for UCF. Let's talk about maybe a potential opponents for UCF in the NCAA tournament that they're quite familiar with with their history, and that's a potential Florida and Florida State. Florida State has an 18 RPI, last check. Florida 19 range around there. Uh, are those two teams, where are they going to be possibly seated, and could one of those teams be put in the bracket where they come to Orlando potentially for that second to third round weekend and play UCF? Yeah. Florida State, um, I don't think Florida State is going to be seeded. Uh, I just think I think their league finish and then losing yesterday at the ACC tournament quarterfinal probably you know keeps them out of the equation. If they do get a seed, it's probably going to be a number four. Um, so if a number four matches with a number one, considering UCF probably going to be a number two, they probably would not you know um, be uh, you know you know um, be sent to Orlando, but. You know, Florida definitely is an option. Um, depending on how they do this week, they could end up with a number three seed, uh, which would probably put them on a collision course with UCF in the third round. Although you never, you never really can tell the NCAA and with their uh, and where they kind of put teams, but that would seem to make the most kind of geographic sense. How much is geography a factor when they do this? They, I know they'll say it, it isn't, but let's be honest. I'm sure you follow this for a long time and closer than almost anybody. Do you see patterns there where they will favor geography if it's close, even if you don't agree with the seating? Oh, too, it's basically it, it's too much considering you know how much money is involved in the NCAA. Um, you know there there are horror stories. It's usually not with, with the seeds. Um, you know, it's usually with kind of the unseeded teams or the teams kind of on the borderline in that first round, and you, you end up with matchups where you have two teams in the RBI top 30. Uh, you especially kind of see this out west on the West Coast, uh, where we're potentially looking at Cal versus Santa Clara, you know, in the first round. Um, whereas, you know, it, you, you would get two teams who probably might be below them. 
uh, you know, playing on the East Coast. So it plays a major role, uh, probably more so in the first round, uh, you know, more so than kind of the later rounds where it kind of plays out. But uh, it definitely plays a big part in how the NCAA sets up the bracket. What other teams from the state of Florida are in the mix for the NCAA tournament that could possibly be uh, making their ways to Orlando uh, to play UCF at some point? Well, South Florida, of course, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of stabilized the ship and they've kind of uh, maneuvered themselves into a position. Uh, obviously, the draw with UCF definitely helps them out. Uh, but, of course, you can't play um, you know, opponent uh, from the same conference until the third round, so it would be a later meeting. Um, but also, in addition to um, Florida and um, you know Florida State, I think Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, they're the number two seed uh, going into the Atlantic Sun tournament. Uh, but they, obviously, they've had a lot of postseason success in the past. Uh, they're a team that I think, depending on how you know the, the NCAA kind of looks at them. Uh, if they do make it via either an at-large bid or uh, you know automatic bid, you know that might be an option for a first-round matchup. I think it would be very harsh on UCF and Florida Gulf Coast because uh, you know I think Florida Gulf Coast is around 30s in the RPI. So um, yeah, but you know those are kind of the big teams out there. Uh, you know there are others you know like Florida Atlantic, uh, you know in Jacksonville who you know have to win the auto bid in their conferences but they're also kind of matchup opportunities for UCF uh it really just depends on how things kind of shake out uh during this week now you mentioned the Florida Gulf Coast and you're right the RPI in the 30 range you're right that's an example of where and this is not just a soccer problem they do this across the board with the Olympic sports I I cover softball and this is a consistent pattern Florida Gulf Coast probably should uh, has no business playing UCF in an opening round match uh, in the NCAA tournament if you go fair by seedings but because of geography uh, that might they might force that in there which is a tough one Florida Gulf Coast upset USF uh, in the NCAA tournament recently up in Tampa uh, that's a very good team in fact UCF Florida Gulf Coast were supposed to play in the regular season but because of the Hurricane Irma that got uh, canceled and things so that that's part of the problem that i've had with the committees and in other sports and soccer included of how they 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 that's really unfair to the teams because uh you're not really you're, you're not really rewarding them for having a great year you're almost punishing them yeah it's it's something that i think a lot of people have brought up uh in terms of how there needs to be uh you know much less focus on geography and just trying to you know rank the teams from one to 64 uh, and then, you know, just like the men's NCAA basketball, you know, tournament, uh, you know, just just try to, you know, match it up that way instead of letting geography dictate a lot of the way the bracket kind of breaks out. Uh, let me ask you about UCLA because obviously there's a lot of fans of Amanda Cromwell in our area, and we're friends with Amanda. She's been on our show as well. Uh, they're at number nine RPI. Where do you have them seated, and what what where are they up to play for? They got to the quarterfinals last year, lost to the West Virginia, who ended up winning uh, the whole thing there up in Morgantown. I'll never forget that because I watched that, and the weather in Morgantown was nothing like it is in Los Angeles. So uh, to prove your point from earlier, that how critical it is to have home field. Uh, what do you see for Cromwell? on the Bruins? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, really with UCLA, a lot really is riding on uh, their game this week with USC. Uh, I, I think the one thing that kind of hurts them is they don't have that huge, you know, standout win. And you know, part of this is kind of might be, you know, a little bit on the Pac-12 because, uh, you know, it's really been kind of UCLA and Stanford on kind of in that top, 
you know, tier of the RPI. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, USC and Cal have kind of made a late run along with Arizona. Uh, but UCLA, uh, their best win in terms of the RPI uh, is Virginia, which is number 21. They did that away. Um, but they don't really have the resume that kind of matches up with that top line. Um, I do think that, you know, depending on the way things break out, if they beat USC, um, you know, this week, I think they could kind of sneak into there on that second line. Uh, you know, I think it, you know, they have a very strong case if they have, you know, you know, three or so top 25 wins, finish second in the Pac-12. So I think they, they could end up on that second line. Uh, however, if they, if they draw USC or they lose USC, you know, I, I think they would kind of slip down to a number three. Uh, but they're, they're kind of one of the teams that I don't think a lot of people want to play because they have so much raw talent and they're obviously very well coached. Uh, and, you know, they're definitely a contender to kind of get to that final weekend in Orlando. Wow, yeah, I, 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 the one thing I'm worried about, and, and, and I don't think it'll happen, as we've talked about because of geography, but the thing that worries me is a possible UCLA 3C coming down to Orlando to play UCF uh, on a matchup like that. That would be, you talk about storylines, that would be something. Of course, Coach Cromwell trying to get the Bruins back to the College Cup in Orlando. Of course, she coached many years. Uh, but that they are a talented team, and that's probably going to be one of those teams that wherever they're seated, teams that are going to be are going to be hoping they're not in their draw, right? Yeah, they if they're if they're a number three seed, I'm I'm pretty adamant that they're going to be the three seed that nobody wants to play, um, just because you know they're probably they should, in terms of overall talent, they're probably much better than a three seed. It's just you know sometimes the RPI doesn't break in your in, in your favor. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, let's talk about this uh, soccer championship that's going to be held in Orlando and what's kind of at stake for the American Conference. Going into this uh, tournament, how many teams do you have in right now to make the NCAA tournament? Well, I think UCF and, and South Florida are kind of a lock at this point. I think South Florida, um, I think with them, it's just a matter of them taking care of business, you know, over the past kind of few weeks. Uh, obviously, I think the draw, you know, against UCF kind of, lock them in. Um, and then I think in terms of, you know, who's definitely out at this point, I think SMU and UConn are definitely out. I think um, I think UConn obviously has to win the automatic bid. Their RPI is, is nowhere near high enough to get in at large. SMU, I think they're a little bit of an interesting case. I think they didn't really get the right side of the bracket if they want to, you know, kind of get in at large. Um, I think Depending on the way things break, if they beat Cincinnati and they beat uh, Florida and say maybe lost in a penalty shootout to UCF uh, in the final, I think you know they might get a look, but I think it's a really really tough road for them. Uh, and and two teams I think are going to be kind of you know really really sweating this week are Cincinnati and Memphis. Uh, Cincinnati, um, you know they're a team that you know they've kind of fallen down in the RPI order a little bit. Uh, obviously, their kind of marquee win is, or not marquee win, but marquee draw was against UCF uh, earlier in the season. Uh, the problem with them is that they, you know, they only have kind of one RPI top twenty-five win against South Florida. Uh, they have another win at Northwestern. Probably rooting for Northwestern this upcoming week in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I would say, you know, they're probably in at this point. Um, at the same time, though, you know. 
if they lose this SNU on Wednesday, you know, it could get a little dicey. Uh, I think Memphis is in a little bit tougher position uh, just because they really don't have that kind of standout result. Their best result is at Rice, which is, you know, ranked number 30 in the RPI. Um, but, you know, if you compare it to some other teams on the bubble, like the Wake Forest or, you know, like Minnesota, uh, you know, I'm not really sure Memphis's kind of resume stacks up. Uh, I, I think they lose to UConn on Wednesday. They're in big trouble. Uh, but, you know, they might need a result against UCF, you know, in the semifinal if they advance that far. Um, so, you know, they're kind of the team, in my opinion, that has the most on the line this weekend. Would you rather be Memphis that's on the side of UCF and maybe get a chance to play UCF to improve your resume, even though it's a tougher draw, or would you rather be a team like Cincinnati that's in a draw that's not with UCF? I'd probably, I'd probably like to be Memphis, just considering Memphis' situation. Uh, I mean, you know, the thing is, too, if you lose to UCF, you know, it's, it's probably not going to hurt your RPI that much because UCF is so highly ranked. Uh, so they're not going to kind of drop that much. Uh, and, you know, beating, you know, beating UCF or USF, uh, you know, it would help, but I'm not sure it would help, you know, a ton. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I think there's less, you know, risk with the UCF matchup, even though, you know, the UConn, the loss to UConn would kind of be disastrous. At the end of the day, who do you expect to see there on Sunday? Do, uh, will we see a rematch between UCF and USF in the championship game, or do you think we might see an upset there? Um, well, I, I think UCF is, in, my, in the way I kind of ranked it, you know, kind of the metrics I've ranked, I think UCF is clearly the best team or was the best team uh, in the regular season in, you know, the American. Uh, but it's kind of interesting because I have – you know, Cincinnati and SMU, I both have them ranked a little bit higher than South Florida in the metrics that I kind of uh, looked at in league play. So, uh, you know, playing an extra game is tough, but I think, uh, you know, I, I kind of like Cincinnati. Uh, They've got a lot of depth. Uh, I think there's a little bit of pressure on them to kind of get a result or two. Um, and I, I think they always play USF really difficultly. Uh, so I think when, all, when everything is kind of said and done, I think the final matchup on Sunday is going to be UCF and Cincinnati. Where does the American Conference rank compared to the other conferences in soccer, in women's soccer? Um, well, I'd probably put it, you know, around the fifth or sixth, you know, best conference. I think, um, you know, I think the top, the top part of the league with UCF and South Florida and Cincinnati, um, I think they can compete with a lot of teams from power conferences. Uh, I mean, they definitely, they've definitely shown that in the regular season and non-conference play. Uh, I think where the league kind of suffers a bit is kind of the bottom half of the conference. Um, you know, with your Tulsa's and your East Carolinas, uh, you know, who, who just not have been able to compete, you know, consistently uh, over the years. So I think that's kind of holding the AAC back a little bit. Um, but I also think, you know, it, it's kind of a numbers thing, too. I mean, the AAC only has 10 members, where you have, you know, these huge conferences like the SEC. Uh, the Big Ten having 14. Uh, so I think, you know, that kind of hurts the depth of the league a little bit. But I think, you know, somewhere in that five to seven range uh, is where I would kind of put the league right now. 
It's uh, it's the best time of year uh, for all women's soccer fans. It's uh, tremendous. It should be great. The conference tournaments going on and regular season mad coming down. And then the NCAA selection show comes out on Mon- next Monday. And then, of course, uh, the NCAA tournament gets going. And no one's better at covering it than our guest, Chris Henderson. Chris, tell the audience where they can find your work, because I know a lot of people are going to be interested here as we get closer to Selection Monday, uh, where their favorite teams are going to be at. Yeah, it's www.allwhitekit.com. For my uh, web stuff, I'm going to be posting some bracketology and, you know, some bubble updates. Uh, Also, my Twitter account is at Chris, C-H-R-I-S, underscore A-W-K, uh, and I've got plenty of uh, content, and that's usually the place for you know, the quickest updates. Uh, but catch me on either of those. Always a pleasure to have you on. I, this has become like a tradition with us, uh, big women's soccer fans that we are, and uh, obviously you cover also, by the way, more, worth noting for Orlando Pride fans, you cover the Women's Professional Soccer League as well. It's very in-depth. So uh, for those fans as well, as they carry uh, matches here, uh, the, uh, very worth noting about that as well. So... Chris, always a pleasure, and uh, enjoy this week. I know it's going to be a busy, stressful week, so I appreciate you taking the time from their busy schedule, and uh, have fun with this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks again to Chris for uh, spending some time with us and breaking things down, and we do have some scores to report to you to that effect. The first round of the American Athletic Conference uh, uh, Women's Soccer Championship was t- was uh, today, Wednesday, November the 1st. Uh, in the 6-3 game, SMU, the sixth seed, defeated Cincinnati three, or excuse me, one to yeah. nothing. So uh, that's an yeah. upset. Uh, SMU moves on. Big upset. Yep. A and, big upset. But if you heard Chris, Chris mentioned it. He thought SMU could be a sleeper in this tournament, could mm-hmm. get to the final, and maybe play themselves into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cincinnati, as we talked about, they've been slumping down the stretch that loss might have knocked Cincinnati out of the NCAA tournament yeah, we'll that's see. tough they played us tough in that in that uh, conference opener that's a zero, zero there, that nothing yeah. nothing draw mm-hmm. so uh that's a that's a tough uh that that's a tough deck of cards for Cincinnati uh in the four or five game now oh by the way uh, SMU will play the two seed which is USF um on Friday uh November the 3rd at 4 30 then in the four or five game Memphis knocks off UConn three to one so Memphis, the four seed, will play UCF, wow. 7 p.m. Boy, these two teams once again, huh? Friday, November the 3rd at the UCF Track and Soccer Complex. Uh, again, 4.30 SMU, USF, 7 o'clock Memphis, UCF. Those semifinals will be on the American Digital Network on Friday. The championship will be televised on ESPN News, 2 p.m. on Sunday, November the 5th. So, so there you go. UCF faces Memphis one more time. Earlier this season, uh, the Knights uh, threw up five on Memphis, five to nothing. That was back on October 1st yeah. in their uh, lone previous meeting uh, earlier this season. So, uh, And that was also uh, at home. So Memphis would like, I'm sure, nothing more than to exact some revenge on UCF there. Meanwhile, UCF wants to uh, take care of business and uh, do what they're supposed to do and get to the championship game on Sunday. So... Uh, so, again, that's all on the American Digital Network, and you can follow American underscore WSOC, American underscore WSOC, for all the latest uh, with that. So uh, we'll be uh, and we'll be keeping an eye on UCF as they go through in the women's soccer uh, tournament. So um, your thoughts real quick, Eric, on uh, facing Memphis. 
longtime rivals, as we know, going yep. back to Conference USA. In fact, I remember, I'll never forget the 2009 Conference USA championship game. UCF hosted Memphis, one versus two. Memphis got a controversial goal late in that second half to win the championship. I've never seen Coach Cromwell so angry and, uh, than she was at that postgame uh, on that day. That's what comes to mind. Memphis is playing much better than they did when you that aforementioned loss to UCF. Obviously, though, Memphis will only have one day of rest where UCF's had a full week of rest. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that'll be an advantage to UCF. But it, it's always, you know, it's a it's a, you know, those two are longtime rivals. And look, as we t- I talked to Chris about it's a big match for Memphis. If Memphis can get the result against UCF there, that might be enough to get them into the NCAA tournament. So they're going to be motivated for that. And, and uh, so UCF certainly got to be ready for that. Should be a good one. I uh, in- intend on being out there and uh, looking forward to it. All right, so we'll be keeping an eye on that one as well. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we return, we will talk uh, a little bit more about rankings. We'll touch on football uh, coming off of the, the just bizarre game against Austin P. The FP, uh, the uh, CFP rankings coming out as well, uh, and uh, and we'll also uh, preview UCF's game coming up against SMU, which should be a tough one. We've also got some men's soccer news and some volleyball news uh, as well. So stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team. Sam and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction as part of La Rosa Realty. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated night fan that right now, fellow Knight fans, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. The real estate market in Orlando has been on the move for some time now, so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Sam's got you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give Sam a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit him on the web at samsellsorlando.net. Again, that's samsellsorlando.net. You can also reach Sam on Facebook at facebook.com slash samsellsorlando. Get in touch with the Sam Unger real estate team today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. Uh, don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. You can hit us up on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, and uh, download this podcast, by the way, on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. 
as well. So we've got uh, lots to talk about here, and we're going to get to uh, men's soccer and volleyball in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit about, um, oh, one thing I did want to mention. Guys, don't be afraid to uh, give us a rating on uh, iTunes uh, as well, because uh, I'm actually actually we've gotten we actually just got one just recently, um, and I wanted to uh, uh, bring that out because uh, I wanted to thank. We've got three reviews so far on uh, on our uh, iTunes page. Uh, thanks to uh, John K five 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 five, Sam Slaster. And uh, Knight JCB, who I who I've seen on the message board, he said, you know, uh, and I'm going to read I'm going to read his um, uh, his review right here. I'm so I'm so thankful for this. This is dated from October the 12th. He said, "You guys put on a class act podcast." Of course, I mostly follow football, basketball, baseball, but it's great to hear about all the other sports too. Love the interview you, interviews you guys get with the coaches. Can't say enough good things about what y'all do. Keep up the great work. I listen to every episode. Hashtag charge on. So Knight JCB, thank you. Thank you for that review, and uh, don't forget to uh, review us on your uh, podcast uh, listening platform of your choice. So, all right, let's dive in here. Um, football. So th- this is so we're coming off the win against uh, uh, against Austin P, which for my money is probably one of the most bizarre UCF football games I've ever seen in my life. Um, the Knights are seven and zero, and uh, again. Climbing in the climbing in the rankings, which we'll get to in a little bit. UCF scores a school record seventy three points in this game, uh, but it was bizarre because I'm sure that they come away from this unsatisfied, having given up thirty three, um, some twenty six of that in the first half uh, against Austin P. So um, you know, and and let's let's credit Austin P. Too, by the way, uh, they're. Um, they have turned their program around big time, but you know, still UCF scores uh, sets a school record for points, seventy three points. Um, this was Mackenzie Milton's, uh, I thought, uh, his masterpiece uh, out there. Twenty four of twenty six for two hundred seventy five yards and three touchdowns. He was sacked once. Uh, he also ran a touchdown in. He was an absolute master of the offense. Uh, UCF did. Um, you know, keep some guys on the shelf. For example, Adrian Killens did not get much playing time. Uh, Otis Anderson uh, was a little banged up. He didn't play. Um, but it was looking a little dicey there because Austin P was just getting all kinds of breaks. They were getting deflected touchdowns and kick returns and all kinds of crazy stuff happened. Um, but in the end, they, they were no closer in the uh, – in the uh, where were they? In the second, they were down 11. At thirty-one twenty with four thirty-eight to go, uh, and then that was pretty much it. But uh, among the other highlights, by the way, Shaquem Griffin scored his first career touchdown on a twenty-yard fumble recovery that he ran in a little scoop and score for Shaquem. Uh, and the Knights just poured it on in the second half, uh, seventy-three points. Wow, uh, breaks the old record of seventy-one, which was back in nineteen ninety-two against Gardner Webb. So that tells you how far back that's going. This night's team has itself uh, firmly entrenched in the record books, Eric. Um, and they ended up moving up in the polls. Um, despite that, I thought, I, I speculated on our live blog, Eric, that, that we would fall in the polls because of this performance. But we ended up moving up 
uh, in the AP and the um, and the uh, coaches poll uh, where UCF has. So uh, here, here's what they, in the AP top 25, UCF jumped three spots to number 15. Uh, in the coaches poll, the Knights ju- also jumped three spots to number 14. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I, I was I, that was really nervous about that game, but. Um, how bizarre was this game? I mean, this is one of the strangest ones that I've seen. I mean, it's an FCS opponent. There wasn't that. There was not a great crowd. Let's be honest in the stands. No, but, so it, but was it, not, it wasn't on the schedule. A lot of people get were scheduled to go out of town, and you know because that was this no, was that's fine. I mean, our bye week, right? I understand it. I'm just saying it was not a great environment, so it's kind of hard for players. It's a, it just was. It was just kind of whatever. It was kind of one of those things. They won't admit it, but that was not a matchup that you know. They, I don't think they were fully locked in. A little bit. I think a little bit of a hangover from the physical game against Navy. You've got a big game coming up with SMU, so ah, you know they kind of go through the motions. I don't really read too much into it. The only thing I will point out, I do have some concerns about the defense. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because we're going up against a really good offense in SMU with Coach Morris there, who's one of the best offensive minds in the sport. And I think the defense, you know, has shown that it could be gashed a little bit. And uh, I don't know if that's because they've been on the field a lot. I don't know if its teams have looked at some film. But, um, you know, I know me and Brian Murphy got into it in the blog. He doesn't think it's a big deal, but I do. I, I, they gave up some big, they got gashed by Austin P. They and, did not uh, tackle well. In that entire game, no. I mean, most of the most of the points that they gave up were just due to, I think, lack of focus and 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 just bad tackling, especially in the first couple scoring drives that Austin P had. Now, now, my my thought on it was, yes, those are problems, but a, I'd rather they pop up in this game against Austin P when you score seventy three points against an FCS team than next week against SMU or God forbid against USF. All right, uh, and b. The issues are correctable. So now it's just a matter of correcting them, right? We'll see. We're going to find out against SMU. That's my point. We're going to find out. Was it just a blimp like Brian Murphy suggests? Is it fixable like you suggest? Or is it a trend that start developing? Uh, we're going to find out because SMU is a very good offensive team. They're playing very good football. They don't have much on defense, but they can score. And this is the thing. When you get into shootouts sometimes, now you're putting a lot of pressure in your offense to be perfect and a turnover here, uh, you know, a penalty there. Next thing you know, you're you're trailing. So that's the thing I'm very curious about is how this defense comes out at SMU. If they play very well, then you and Brian will be right. Uh, but if they struggle against SMU, then – I think there'll be some concerns because I, I think I think this is a tricky game going to Dallas against SMU. It's going to be a night game. I've already seen where their president at SMU, I think, or people over there have said that, hey, if we can beat them, you know, we storm the field type of thing. So yeah, they're going to be they, geared yeah, up for this game. body president said that. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So uh, they're going to be geared up. And, and I'll be curious to see how UCF responds to that. Um, I think this is a tricky game going on. And I'll be curious to see how the defense comes out against SMU's offense. Is this trickier than the Navy game? Uh, it's different because Navy was tricky because of the scheme they ran. You don't see that scheme often. Uh, the SMU one's interesting because you do see a lot of the spread offense. So there is no stranger to that. So that's why I'm interested to see 
if they play well or not. You, you know, the Navy game, you can't, yeah, you gave up some yards rushing, but that was a scheme thing that you don't see often. If you get gashed by SMU, that's an offense you normally see. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, SMU still has a chance to win the Western Division, by the way. So they got a lot to play for. I mean, the way the West is looking right now, it's going to be Memphis or SMU. And SMU needs to win this game to have a shot to stay in it. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think SMU, I think SMU by the end of the, and I could be proven wrong, we'll find out. But I would not be surprised. I think SMU actually will end up being better than Navy this year. Whether they're better than Memphis or not, I don't know that yet. Uh, I tend to think no, but uh, but UCF hosted Memphis. They got to yeah. go to SMU. Now, SMU doesn't have a huge crowd, but again, they're going to be geared up for this game. And if UCF digs themselves a hole and face some adversity, it could be an interesting battle. Before you sneeze at SMU, let's not forget that they're, that UCF is uh, right now fifth in the country in total offense. SMU's ninth. Uh, both yeah. of these teams come in averaging over 500 yards a game. Um, they're 14th the, the, in the country. The Mustangs are in passing offense, averaging about 320 a game. Uh, they're also 43rd in rushing at 187, so not that bad. Yep. Uh, and they score 41 and a half a game. Their problem is on defense. They are the number 100th ranked defense in terms of total defense in the country. Uh, whereas, uh, by the way, you know, in case you were wondering, UCF in uh, total defense, 33rd. So... There's a marked difference there. They are really bad against the pass, SMU is. They are averaging, giving up 278 a game. That's 121st in the country. And, and so, so they're, they're, that's where their weakness is. Right. But let's keep this in mind. A lot of this stuff is dictated by schedules, too. Yeah. One of SMU's losses was at TCU. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good, aren't they? Top 56, in the country. Yeah, 56-36 at TCU. You know, they hung around for a while. Um, and it just kind of got away from them in the second half. Do you have the other loss that they had? The other loss was at Houston, thirty-five twenty-two, and that pretty was pretty good team off two games team. ago. A Houston, yeah. a Houston team that just knocked off USF. By the way, um, they do give up some points. They given up thirty-four to Tulsa. They gave up twenty-eight at at Cincinnati. Obviously, the thirty-five to Houston. They gave up twenty-eight to UConn. Um, obviously, the, the fifty-six to really TCU. Yeah. yeah, they even gave up 32 points to North Texas despite beating them 54-32. So. Oh, there's no question. I mean, there's. I expect a lot of points. I don't know if you have the over-under. I know you still was like about a 13-point favorite. Uh, I'd be curious more about what the over is, uh, the over-under is, because I might take some of that action. But something about to keep in mind about the UCF defense, they played very well against Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of Memphis, okay, Navy's different because they run the ball a lot. It's a unique offense. But really, other than Memphis – this is probably the best offense they've seen to this point. It's not like UCF's defense, like Maryland was a broken team. I think they were they lost they were on their backup quarterback who got hurt and they went to their third string quarterback. Yeah. East Carolina's not anything great. Cincinnati, not, you know, my point is, uh, yes, UCF's better and should be better on paper on defense and should be the difference against SMU. But this will be a challenge for this defense, and you've seen. They're, you know, defensively, you mentioned the, the tackling issues. It's, it's some the broken coverage from time to time. Uh, they will be challenged here. They will be challenged, and I'll be very curious how they respond. Now, look, if they play very well and dominate like they did against Memphis, then, hey, we're back to, you know, all is good. But if they don't, then I think there's pause for concern. Now, that may not, that concern may not be all the way until the championship game of the conference, maybe the USF game. Who knows? But still, I'm fascinated to see how this defense comes out 
against this good offense at SMU and, and a coach that I respect and coach Morris who knows everything about offense going back to Clemson days. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the spread is UCF minus 14 right now. It, it actually opened at 14. Uh, it, some, depending on where you look, it's at 14 and a half, but, um, the over-under right now is uh, at 75. And by the way, accor- this is according to Odd Shark, 83% of the money is on the over. So, uh, so that'll give you a kind, of an, a kind of an idea. I know, by the way, 64% of the bets have, have, uh, are in favor of UCF minus the 14 points. So, um, so that should give you something to look at right there. Uh, the Knights this year, by the way, obviously 5-1-1 one, and one against the spread. But... Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very reluctant to sleep on this SMU team. I think that this is going to be a very tough challenge, um, and we may end up looking at this being like you know that, that was the biggest challenge, even bigger challenge than Navy, because you know again this is on the road. This is a team that believes that they can make, they can make their season with this win uh, if they do it. You know, it's things are sort of trying. To, it, it's one of those games where if you're not careful, things are going to align in their favor. And keep in mind, a health, a pretty healthy SMU team. Navy, when UCF played them, yeah, they, were uh, they had up. some injuries in the backfield, and then uh, Abby, the quarterback, uh, Abby, got, the quarterback, got hurt during that game. So yeah. um, this could be a track meet. This could be a track meet. Obviously, UCF has been, you know, started fast offensively. They're going to have to do that. I don't. I if they can jump on SMU early, that'll help things. But if they mm-hmm. don't, if we're in a, you know, back and forth shootout. I, I tend, you know, that that could come down to uh, down the wire here. So I'm very interested to see. The good news is the number has gone up, which tells me that some of the smart money is going on UCF. But yeah. I don't feel comfortable either way with that number. Uh, I may tend to go with the over myself. Well, uh, we do know that the game will be uh, televised. Where did we see it was going to be on TV? ESPN 2. ESPN, ESPN 2. Okay, 2. Okay, yeah, that's right. ESPN, prime time, 7.15 p.m. on ESPN 2 on uh, on Saturday. All right, but speaking of ESPN, um, let's talk about um, the <laughs> – you knew this was coming. Let's talk about the uh, college football playoff rankings, which just came uh, out, oh and boy. the uh, reaction. Considerable uh, uh, social media traffic that was generated by this, uh, especially on your feed there, Eric oh. Lopez. Uh, the Knights, despite being ranked 15th in the Associated Press Top 25 – and 14th in the coaches poll, uh, have come in at number 18, according to the CFP uh, rankings, which are put together by the, by the playoff committee. Um, Georgia's the, the surprise number one ahead of Alabama, um, Notre Dame, Clemson. So that would be your playoff right there, the top four. UCF is the um, top-ranked group of five team, um, just behind USC at 7-2, and two, or 7-2 and two, LSU. So, so you have this. The thing that the thing that people are really complaining about right now is that there's this batch of seven, or no, excuse me, eight two loss teams from fourteen to twenty two, and UCF is at seven zero sandwiched in between them. Those two loss teams are Auburn, Iowa State, Mississippi State, USC, ranked ahead of UCF, and the Knights are just ahead of LSU, NC State, Stanford, Arizona. Memphis, by the way, seven and one. They came in at twenty third. They're the second highest uh, group of five team. So they're kind of in the catbird seat right there, waiting for us to fall uh, if we do. Um, you and I both agree that this that the college football playoff rankings are kind of, I mean, they're kind of a sham, right? I mean, this is it's basically well, a television. It's it's basically a television it's October, show. November. Yeah. 
Like right, right. now, it really doesn't matter. And and no. unfortunately, it pains me to say this, but unfortunately, even even if UCF goes undefeated, it is not likely that they'll be able to get into the top four in order to get to the playoff. No, the 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 objective better- here is the objective here is w- keep winning and be that top ranked group of five team. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Look. First of all, the ranking; these rankings are irrelevant. The only one that matters, as far as the committee is concerned, is the one in December after Championship Saturday. That's right. the only one that matters. Number one. So, because we're still got a lot of football to go. That's number one. Number two, the committee rankings. The whole purpose for it is to get the top four teams into the playoffs to figure out who are the top four teams in the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the only goal that it really is, and to identify the top team in the group of five, as they call it, for the all-access poll. Which, by the way, UCF is the top team right now in the group of five, which is really the most important thing. doesn't matter where they're ranked. Here's what I don't understand okay. about people, and it cracks me up. Let me ask you this question. All right. Do you remember, do you remember in 2013 where UCF finished ranked in the country? In 2013, we finished ranked, I believe, 10, right? right, Right at number 10. How confident are you about that answer? Uh, I am about as confident as saying that we were ranked 10th in the Associated Press poll at the end of the season after the bowls were over. But you, were, you were correct, but it, you had to pause. Um, okay, let me ask you this. Okay. Who finished, who finished 10th in the country last year? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Do you remember? No. Neither could I. And you know what? If I asked someone outside of Orlando, outside of Florida – Hey, do you remember where UCF finished ranked in 2013? You know what the answer they would give you? No idea. Yep. Do people remember last year who finished six in the polls, five in the poll? No, they don't. Here's the other trivia question. You know, at this time in 2013, in the uh, this was back in the BCS days. Oh my God. You know where UCF was ranked? (laughs) You know where UCF was ranked at this time of year in 2013? Around this time? Uh, in 2013, I know we had just snuck into the top 25. Exactly, because they had just beaten Louisville and, and all that stuff. Right. My point is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's pointless. Nobody cares. Like, sometimes college football fans make them care, but they really well, don't it, care. It, it, generates, it generates, you know, fan no, interest and, and in some I mean, cases television you, ratings and, and, and social media traffic. What I don't understand for all the people that get outraged, oh, we should be this blank ranked. Let's say, let's say you think UCF should be ranked tenth right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is that? What What's the difference? Does that change? Does that change the UCF's path this season? Are they going to go to a different bowl because of that? Do they have any better of a chance to make the playoffs? No. It doesn't matter if they're tenth or eighteenth. It really doesn't. It's an irrelevant number. Nobody cares about rank. What matters is. A, do you win your conference championship? Which, by the way, if UCF doesn't win their division or their conference, does it really matter where they're ranked? Yeah. At that point, it does. I don't understand the outrage over this. I, For the record, you nailed this. You said they would be around 18, 19 last week. Um, I said they were 15. We're both off. I, I, took, I took where you were, and I was like, yeah, subtracted about two or three spots because yeah, they're just, right. they, they, they don't want to rank. Let's face it. They don't want to rank a group of five teams. Of course they high. don't. They don't. That's the other thing I do. They don't, and you and I haven't followed college football forever. This is how they are. So why are people all of a sudden surprised? There was someone that tweeted out, teams of group of five have averaged around 23 or 
rankings or, you know, Memphis a couple years ago was ranked 15th when they had knocked off Ole Miss. So um, this is just the way it is. I'm not, you know, if you don't like the system, I'm sorry, but this is the system they've had forever. They just got into four teams into the playoff. If they had an 18 playoff, then UCF would have a better shot right. of competing for maybe a playoff, but they don't. Let me so ask it really you this, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Let me ask you this, though. In, in terms of, you know, is it is it a matter of disrespect? No, I, I know okay. that's a very unpopular answer. Um no, I think what it is, it hasn't. The season hasn't played out yet. See, here's the thing: people don't get. For example, you mentioned Iowa State. You know, yes, Iowa State has two losses. You know who Iowa State has marquee wins against? Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. That's the only thing I know. And TCU, and TCU, oh, right. which okay. they did last week. Yeah. Those two teams that are top ten teams in the country. UCF doesn't have that, so. Just because you're undefeated doesn't mean you should be ranked ahead of a one-loss team or even a two-loss team. The committee has said that. Who have you played? Um, that's why T- you know, Iowa State is higher ranked right now. The difference is I don't think Iowa State – I think Iowa State will lose again. So I think it's going to play itself out where UCF will eventually jump them. They will jump Mississippi State because Mississippi State's got to play Alabama. So my point is if UCF just keeps winning – and controls what it can do. Mm-hmm. Okay, Follow do me your on this. job. I know it's <laughs> that's all you got. If you do win, do your teams, job. Teams in front of you will lose, and you'll probably end up close to the top ten by December. So it's so it'll work itself out. I don't understand why people are outraged on November the first. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is this team has to be. And I'm telling you, if Coach Frost would tell you the same thing, worry about SMU, worry about Connecticut, worry about the other games. Yeah. Uh, by the way, bowl projections, the consensus uh, across all the media outlets that do these bowl projections have us going to the Peach Bowl, uh, which would be which would be New Year's Day, uh, January yeah. the 1st uh, in Atlanta. The opponents that I've seen have ranged from Oklahoma, according to Jerry Palm of CBS Sports, to uh, Penn State, according to Sports Illustrated, to... Uh, let's see, where's that? Uh, according to, to Wisconsin, according to USA Today. Uh, and, uh, by and by the way, Wisconsin by the way, and Oklahoma, Brooks. according to the uh, the two guys at ESPN as well. By the way, Wisconsin got punished. They're ranked ninth yep. because they didn't play a tough schedule either. That's it's Miami's 10th because they feel they haven't played anybody. But here's the difference. Uh, those teams, yeah, they're on the power conferences. And, yeah, they're big brands. That's the way the sport works. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's kind of like uh, – I, I kind of laugh, and, and it's, I know it's dangerous to go political term. It's like the people that complain about the electoral college after the fact. Right. It's like where have you been? Every election, everybody knows that the president is decided by the electoral college. There's, It's not like the, this just snuck up on people. You know how the system works. So make it yeah, work for you. May you. Not, <laughs> you may not agree. Exactly. But that's how it works. Uh, so the important thing is UCF has to. Con- con- this is the big thing. UCF controls its own destiny to get to the biggest bowl game they can get. Which yep. isn't that what they're playing for? Isn't that the goal at the beginning of the year? I would much rather have it that way. I think, like you said, I would much rather have UCF be able to control their own destiny than so, not. So, so here, it just so comes down advice. to just win here's the my- games. Win the games. That's all it comes down to. And my advice to the people that are complaining, quit bitching and go to the stadium for a change. How about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well they're going to have their next shot to do that 
um, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, so yeah. But anyway, that's where we stand right now. 18 in the CFP. A couple of the players kind of uh, tweeted out that they felt like they were disrespected. And to be honest with you, I actually like but seeing that's that. fine. I actually like well, seeing well, that the players, that it kind of ticks the players off a little bit. Because, okay, a, and that you, don't, is a, you don't think we're that a, good? Watch yep. this. That's a great point you just made, which all the fans forget. I don't care what the fans think. I actually, you're right. What if UCF, let's say UCF would have been ranked 10th. Now you're, if you're a player, you're feeling really good about yourself, aren't you? You're patting yourself in the bag. Hey, oh, hey, you're top good. 10. Now you know? got a little, yeah, but now you got a little chip on your shoulder. I think this is actually a great thing. You're nailed at 100%. Keeps him locked in. I think Coach Frost deep down likes it because he's got his players' attention. I, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I like it. I hope they don't rank us that high until December. I'm fine with. Please drop us a pol- drop us a spot. Piss yeah. us off more. <laughs> Just tick those players off a little bit more heading into the UConn game and let's see what happens. Big, <laughs> real big thing, big thing here. If you're Mike Oresco, you control this with UCF and Memphis. Those two teams win out. The American will be represented in the All Access Bowl. The wild card in all this is we don't know who the third best team would be right now. Right. Is it USF who dropped out of the polls? Is it somebody from the other conference? That'll be something to follow in the next few weeks. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that uh, as well. So, all right. So, that's uh, so again, UCF plays SMU uh, with their chance to maybe move up or who knows, maybe down the CFP rankings uh, on uh, Saturday, November the 4th, 7.15 p.m. kick. That's on ESPN2 out in Dallas. So, all right, let's uh, flip back over to soccer and talk about the men's team real quick. Um, right now, they, they, how about this team? They, at one point, Eric, they were 1-5-1. and one. They are now above 500. They are 6-5-2 and two, uh, and undefeated at home, 4-0-1, oh, by virtue of a one to nothing victory over Temple in a game that you called on the American uh, Digital Network, Eric Lopez, and uh, Scott Calabrese's team is blistering hot right now. They've won four in a row. They are unbeaten in their last six, heading into the um, season finale, the regular season finale, uh, on Saturday, November 4th, 7 p.m., against Cincinnati, and that is at Cincinnati. So um, you saw this team. They played a team uh, in Temple that came in 8-6-1, uh, eight, uh, eight, and one. Uh, in the standings, and UCF got the job done uh, on Senior Day on the home field. Um, what were your impressions of this team uh, as you as you called the play by play on the American Digital Network uh, as they as they uh, as they have heated up here down the stretch? Played well defensively in the back line. Shut down a very dynamic uh, combo of offense of Temple uh, with Tebow, Candia, and Soto, and the, the forwards. They shut him down for the most part. Had a couple chances. Uh, Matias Pistolo, who played in his last home game, uh, one of the greats to ever wear the jersey, scored the goal early in the second half. Look, they're playing well. Uh, Coach Calabri said it afterwards. This team is playing with a belief and a confidence in each other and in what they're doing. And they're peaking at the right time. That was a significant win for them. They knew they had to win that. If they didn't get a result in that match, their postseason aspirations were, were going to be dead, literally done. Uh, now, by winning that match, all they need to do is go into Cincinnati. Granted, it's on the road, but Cincinnati is a team that's in last place. And if UCF wins that game, they're into the conference tournament. Yes. They're in the conference championship. Who knows what seed they could get, depending on other results. But if they win, they're in, and they got to feel good. They've beaten UConn, and they've beaten, obviously, 
they they were right there with USF. That match went into double overtime. They lost to SMU, who's ranked in the top 12 in the country. They were within one goal of them. So they feel pretty good. If they can get into that conference tournament, they can, they're more than capable of winning that. Now, last year, remember, they snuck in uh, by getting hot down the stretch. This year, they, they the, the Knights, with one match to go, like you said, are in fourth place. Remember, the top four teams get into the uh, conference tournament. SMU and UConn have clinched at the top of the at the top of the tournament, thirteen and twelve points respectively in the standings. USF is third with eleven points. UCF is fourth at ten. Temple is on the outside looking in at nine. You're right, though. They have to win the game at Cincinnati because you don't want to leave it in the hands of Temple. Temple, I know, plays USF, but that game is in Philadelphia. Temple can Temple wants to try and leapfrog both UCF and USF. In the final um, in the final weekend, if they beat the Bulls, they certainly can do that, uh, and that's why winning against Cincinnati, who is winless and has zero points on the season, uh, winless in conference at zero and six, even though they're seven eight and one overall, this is a, a critical road match for UCF in Cincinnati. It's going to be a little chilly up there, um, but you win, you get to thirteen points, and you're locked into the tournament. And then it doesn't really matter what what Temple or USF do, um, and you could conceivably uh, get yourself up to the uh, up to the number two spot if you. Now here's the thing: if you so SMU and UConn are playing each other in Dallas this weekend, all right, the top two seeds. If SMU wins, all right, um, they then UConn will finish with twelve points, and you and UCF wins then the Knights will jump up to the two seed, uh, depending upon, upon what USF does uh, with Temple. Okay, Remember, USF is on the road at Temple. Uh, if UConn wins, uh, I'm actually trying to pull up the schedule right here. Um, uh, remember, the Knights lost to SMU, so then they, they would lose that tiebreaker. But bottom line is you've got to win at Cincinnati in order to make this thing happen uh, and, uh, and get stuff done. So... Um, what a story it would be for uh, UCF men's soccer. Coach Calabrese in his first year, um, this team with all the adversity that they faced early in the season, with all the, um, with all the games that were canceled um, due to the weather and just circumstance, uh, for them to finish the regular season undefeated at home uh, and, uh, and if they were to get into the conference tournament, it would be a tremendous achievement uh, for this group of players. Yeah, I mean, again, you got to finish the job, though, against Cincinnati. Yep. Can't overlook it. Can't come out flat. You've got to get a win. Control your dead, and you're in, and you can do some damage afterwards. American Athletic Conference Tournament starts Friday, uh, November the 10th, at the home of the one seed, which right now would be – by the way, that's what they're playing for right now is SMU and UConn in that final, in that final match is who gets to host. Uh, is it going to be in Dallas, or is it going to be in stores? Uh, we're going to find out uh, coming up. All right, <clears throat> let's talk over to uh, volleyball. Uh, UCF volleyball team still, you know, by the way, you mentioned uh, right now at 12 and 12, 5 and 7 in the conference, and this conference's schedule is just unbelievable. But um, as they roll through this past weekend, uh, they are back uh, on the road after two tough matches, uh, well, one tough match and one win. Uh, Friday, of course, we talked about the loss uh, to Wichita State in five. Um, probably the the most competitive match um, yeah, against a quality opponent, Wichita State, they're ranked. They're 19-3. and three. It was volleyball 10. The Knights push 
Wichita State to five actually led the match two sets to one after three. Uh, Wichita State won the fourth and then won the fifth, 15 to 10. Um, but UCF really played well in this match. Just came up a little bit short against a team that's a little, that, that you know, let's face it, they're the class of the conference right now. Um, uh, key uh, numbers for UCF. Kia Bright is doing it again. 17 kills uh, for UCF uh, to go with uh, 11 digs in that match. Um, but UCF comes up short against uh, Wichita. Two day, okay, so you could think to yourself, oh, wow, well, uh, you know, what happens now? Well, two days later, they play against Memphis. Get a win. Get the sweep. Take care of business on Sunday, just like, uh, just like Coach Dazney always says. Uh, they win 3 nothing, uh over the Tigers on the home floor once again. Uh, Memphis, by the way, 1-11 in the American, not having a very good season. But um, Kia Bright with 18 kills to lead UCF. Christina Fisher had eight. Uh, Taylor Wickey had nine blocks in this match, so uh, she was all over the place on defense in front of the net. Uh, and uh, also Jordan Pingle chimed in with uh, 18 digs. Kia Bright also had 13 digs of her own to go with, like you said, the 18 kills, and that's where UCF stands right now. So the schedule uh, looks like looks like this upcoming. They are on the road at Cincinnati and then at uh, East Carolina on Friday and Sunday, respectively. So um, you can keep an eye on those matches on UCFnights.com uh, before they come back for November 10th and November 12th, which is the Tulane and Houston matches, uh, respectively, coming in for that. So remember, they play uh, you play everybody um, twice, home and away, in volleyball. So uh, there's a lot of matches still to go. Uh, no question that they're trying to finish strong here. Uh, even though they're at 500 at 12 and 12, um, chance. Now here's the thing that's interesting: chance that they could get into that uh, to that NC to that sort of uh, volleyball NIT, get a few more matches underneath their belt. Uh, and when you look at the American Athletic Conference standings uh, right now, of course Wichita State uh, is up at the top of the standings, and understandably so. They've they've been ranked. They're out, outstanding team, 12 and 0 in the league right now, 20 and 3 overall. Temple and SMU tied for second at ten and two. Cincinnati's at eight and four. Uh, UCF right now at five and seven in a three-way tie for sixth. And I'll tell you one thing, Eric Lopez. This is the one year when I wish we had a conference tournament in volleyball. I know, I know how much Todd doesn't like that, right? You know, he's he, I, I, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to chance it um, if you have a bunch of really good teams. But this year, there's just a total logjam. And, uh, and and that's and that's what I want to see this year. I, I I wish I would love for us to take our chances in a conference tournament against all these teams, wouldn't you? I just like to see better officiating at matches because uh, oh that was a factor. <laughs> that was the factor in the UCF Wichita State match. I was there. It was a dramatic five sets, one of the more dramatic volleyball matches I've seen. UCF came out, won the first set. Wichita responded as you knew they would, took the second. UCF took the third. Wichita took the fourth. It was a back-and-forth fifth set, and UCF was making a run. And it was 12-10, all right? It was 12-10. UCF is a rally, and they win the point. But then the opposite chairman, the uh, official, that's opposite of the chairman. You know this. You, you're the, yeah, the down what official, you call they call him. He walks up to the chairperson, the chair uh, ref. Yeah. And apparently said he had an inverted whistle during the point, which nobody heard. I mean, if if it it was maybe inadvertent slightly, but none of the players heard it. They continued to play. And so they had this long conversation. And then the chairperson gets down from their chair and squawks over to Coach Dagen. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. 
Yeah, you know and it's bad when the, when, the, when the up official comes down. They, they never come down from the ladder uh, in order to no. explain something. But when, <laughs> yeah, you know it's yeah. bad when that happens. And needless to say, they said, oh, inadvertent whistle, do over. The point doesn't count. Right. And Todd lost. So you go I from mean, he was so upset. you go from twelve eleven from, yeah, you serving, go from up twelve to, you go from down twelve eleven in the fifth and serving to it's twelve ten again. Yeah. Yeah. And then unfortunately, Wichita State, meanwhile, during this timeout, you know, they were able to regroup. They won the next three points. They won the match. Todd got a yellow card uh during that sequence. And that was unfortunate because I thought it would have been interesting to see what would have happened with UCF with the momentum there. I thought they had Wichita kind of hanging there, but mm-hmm. uh, I've never seen that before. I mean, I don't understand. Like, if it didn't affect either team, there was no need for that. I thought I thought that was a terrible uh, injustice there. So I will say this real quick. If UCF plays at that high level like they did that night, and I said that to some of the people afterwards, I think they've got a chance to make a big run here and, you know, maybe go on a long win streak and uh, put themselves in position for postseason. Well, they have right now, uh, as I'm pulling up the schedule, um, how many matches do we have left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So eight matches to go. Chance to get to 20 wins. Still with a chance to get to 20. Now they're going to have to win out to get to 20. But, uh, again, I'll put this team up against any other team in the conference. And uh, and 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 they have a shot on a day to day basis, no question about it. So uh, I would like to see that. Uh, I would like to see them finish it out, and uh, and we'll see how the rest of it plays out. Bear in mind, they play USF back to back to finish out the year on the on the uh, the week of Thanksgiving, the night before Thanksgiving at home uh, on the American Digital Network, and then uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving at Tampa, and sort of that home at home that they do with the travel partners this year. So so that should be. A uh, pretty interesting way to close out the season. So uh, keep an eye out for UCF Volleyball uh, there. All right, Eric, let's wrap this thing up. Um, bear in mind also, you know, UCF Women's Soccer, they are playing on Friday night uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, at uh, against Memphis at home in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Make sure you head on out for that one because, uh, uh, again, lots at stake for UCF, not just win the conference, but... Uh, positioning for the NCAA tournament is on the line as well. Championship game would be Sunday, 2 p.m. at UCF as well. And uh, won a good crowd out for that one, just like they had for USF. 1,400-plus for that match. Boy, UCF would like nothing more than to see a really good crowd uh, for the uh, for the semifinal and for the final, especially the final on ESPN News, assuming they get that far. So uh, what are you working on this weekend, Eric? Well, I'll be out there. Women's soccer Friday night, hopefully uh, maybe Sunday as well, and uh, I'll be out there and then hopefully uh, follow the selection show on Monday. So uh, that'll, uh, that'll occupy me a little bit, and then anything, anything else that develops, uh, just follow on Eric Lopez-Elo. All right, and you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Also follow our boy Spokes, uh, or Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy. Uh, he's going to have his uh, cram session previews for UCF football coming up. Uh, with a big game against SMU. We will have our live blog once again following that game as well uh, in primetime, 7.15 p.m. uh, on Saturday as well. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret and log on to Black and Gold Banneret for all your uh, latest UCF news and analysis uh, as well. Follow us. uh, uh, we talk, Yeah, also follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret and subscribe to this podcast on Google Play 
iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. So for Eric Lopez, I am Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you again next week.